today on Codepin Radio. Hello, everybody. Codepen Radio 326. I got Mr. Stephen Sean. How you doing, Stephen? Hello. Doing great. How are you? Good. Um, last couple of times we've talked on this show, it's been about, I don't know, I, I can't even remember, but we've talked about our library and our mono repo and stuff a bunch. And sometimes, we, you know, at one point we like rolled through a whole bunch of examples in our pattern library. We call it CP library. Codepen library, you know, it's like a folder at the top level of our mono repo that has all these components that different sub projects can share. I think we're like, what what do we count? 50 some in there, 40 some, maybe more. Oh gosh. Yeah. Probably. There's a lot. And we just rolled through the list because it's like, what are they? Like, why, why do you need so many components? And these aren't even, this is not the components that build the app. That's way, way, way more. <laughs> these are the ver- these are ones that are intentionally split, right? Like yeah. they they're li- they're live they're 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 tabs, they're buttons, they're you know modals. Right, more they're... more like pieces of the UI rather than the UI itself. And makes... stateless, right? Like they don't right. they don't perform their own queries for data or anything. Uh, not that they can't be fancy. Because there's some fancy ones in here, but they're they're isolated in that way. So we 70, thought seventy five is the is the current total. No by the way. crap, really. Then yeah. <laughs> that's mm. yeah, just the library. Yes, and you know what? That number's gone down a little bit because of some of the refactored ways in which we're building these components. Which you're gonna <laughs> help me understand <laughs> because remember, this is part podcast, part help Chris understand things <laughs> that he should already understand but doesn't probably. Uh, so we thought we'd deep dive into one or maybe two, if we can get to it in this podcast, of individual library components and why they are the way they are. Uh, we're gonna. I think we should look at tabs first because yep. you did, did tabs recently. It's one of those things like everybody knows what tabs are. There's like tabs across the top. Like imagine an e-commerce page where it's like product details and then there's a tab for product reviews or something and you tab onto that probably on a lot of websites, it doesn't refresh the page. It just like hides one panel and shows another panel. We could call those tab panels. Uh, maybe the URL doesn't even change. It's such a small user interaction that it's kind of just like, I don't know, just show the other stuff, you know? Conceptually similar to an accordion that only has one panel open at the same time. Yada, yada. You know what tabs are. The, the, the truth of tabs is that they actually are very complicated and that, the, you know, you think you know what they are, but then you start investigating what they really are. And there's a lot to them. But in the context of one app like CodePen, we know what they are for us. And we know the context that we're using them, which is pretty much what I just described. For, we've ha- we ha- In the history of CodePen, we've had them all over the app. But somehow, some way, we didn't have them in the pattern library until somewhat recently. Because, uh, you know, even the pattern library is somewhat new. And I wanted to slap some in there. So I just did a really quick job where I stole somebody else's, which I did on purpose because at least they had the accessibility right and stuff because there's some nuanced stuff. Like you got to use the arrow keys to get between them because that's the expectation of how tabs works. Anyway, it's, you know, we don't have to get into all why those got ripped off, but you decided to rewrite them rightfully. So now there's no out, like they were kind of an outlier when I did that and doing things in a bit of a weird way. Now these do it exactly like how we do it. Sorry for the long winded intro here, but now there's some new tabs and 
you had your eye on a concept or technique or something that you read in a Kent Dodds article that he calls compound components. And when you rewrote tabs, it was one of the now many examples in our CP library that lean into this. And I can't even say I told, I mean, I under, I can look at the code and see how they work. It's not like I'm confused by it, but I don't, to be perfectly honest, I don't totally get it. Yeah. (laughs) But so let's talk about tabs and how we use them. Remember I said there's now less components than there were. Now in our CP folder, we used to have tab, tab panel, tab Tab, group, tab, 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 you know. Now there's just tabs. When you want to use tabs, you import tabs from the library and you use tabs. Yeah. And that's it. So now there's, you know, hence less. Is that part of what a compound component is all about? Uh, essentially, um, it doesn't, it doesn't have to directly be that way, but that, that seems to be like a convention of this pattern is, uh, so essentially compound components, you're, you're linking some components together, typically like a parent and children, um, Mm -hmm. that all kind of rely on the same state and all kind of work together, but each have their own little purpose or their own functionality kind of within, um, within this setup, um, so, so in the case they of tabs, to... the state is which tab is active. Multiple right. parents and children all need to know that information. Right. They've got to pass that data back and forth. They've got to trigger, you know, changes and all that, all that yeah. kind of stuff, which, you know, typically if you're just building that out with different components, like you're having to pass state um, via mm-hmm. props and like handing down change functions uh, in the props too. And right. like if you're doing use state in React, you're not only sending the state itself, but then the setter for that state. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so that works and in, in simpler cases that that can be fine. But, um, for something like tabs, like there's, there's a lot of underlying complexity that you have to handle, like registering tabs and, um, controlling like which tabs control, which content and, and different things that just don't immediately, um, work, you know, uh, by, by just passing passing props and all that. Uh, so compound components, the convention for it is typically you have like a parent component. So in, in this case, tabs, this tabs. is kind of our container. Yeah. And this, this starts, um, kind of the, the component tree for this, for this little, um, utility. And, uh, then if you want to use like an actual tab, you're, you're calling tabs dot tab. Um, so like tab is registered as like a property of this tabs um, oh, component. Is that how it works? That's one of the like visually weird things about these is that you're used to the open angle bracket because you're about to use a component like a React component. And then there's a dot, you know, so it's tabs <laughs> dot tab, which yeah. I feel like you just don't see that very much, but you didn't, that's not magic. You just made it like tabs is a object or whatever. And you just right. registered tabs All- dot tab as a, yeah. Okay. All those components are are just are are just functions, uh, you know, in in React with right. with the new uh, uh, functional components that are relatively new uh, functional yeah. component stuff. Like they're they're just functions that render, and before that, they were classes that that render. And so it really doesn't matter, like um, you know, where that's stored or anything like that. It's just the common convention is you just have like a top level, you know, component. Because you have that top level one, it prevents you from having to import five, six different components every time you want to use this thing. You import right. one, you get them all. And and it makes it clear that these are linked. Like you don't want to use a tab 
without the parent of tabs like it it doesn't make yeah. sense it, it's not okay. going to work and it's i think it's going to throw an error is that um, what makes it compound is this kind of like right yeah. right so that that's how they they all work together they all are sharing the same kind of state and they all kind of rely on on each other um but yeah each each has its own little part to play in it so you don't necessarily want to just build out this massive component that handles all of it you still want to split that up and uh and this is just a good way of linking them together by doing them as like a property of the main uh main component. yeah and this property thing shows up again because in that parent, you make you you're using a thing that you call context, which is is context a native React? Is that magic? Yeah, that that's a native React thing. Um, typically, you'll see it as like um, a theme controller, like passing mm -hmm. around theme data, like dark or light or whatever. Um, it means so, you don't have to pass props, right? Everybody has access to the same context. Right. If they if they directly call that context, they can access that that context. They don't have to um, access mm -hmm. it via via props or anything. Um, so so ultimately, this context has a dot provider, and that's the thing that looks like a compound component too. But that's just how React context works. Right, and and we kind of see this with like Apollo. Um, uh, our mm -hmm. GraphQL um, library. Yeah, you gotta uh, wrap they, everything in a provider. Right. You you wrap everything in this provider so that it's then accessible in the in the child components. But you have to kind of do that at the top level or at the you know level before you're doing any of this. Um, and it's the same with these compound components. So you've got a, a provider that's actually holding all that state for this particular instance. So mm -hmm. if you have two two different tabs components. They're going to have their own unique state because they have their own uh, unique context yeah. uh, created for that. That's nice. As long as you don't get into that URL handling thing, because then they'd have to know about each other, and then that would suck. Yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, that would uh, that would introduce some additional complexity. But for now, this this works. This episode of Code Pen Radio is brought to you in part by Jetpack. You know, part of automatic a plugin for your self-hosted wordpress site i don't think i've made any confusion about the fact that i'm kind of a fan of it so it's this wordpress plugin that does a whole bunch of stuff i even i've said that a bunch of times on this on this show it's compelled me personally to the point where i use it on all of my uh, WordPress sites because I, I'm literally compelled by all those features. It does all these like little tiny things like just like add markdown support to places you might want it. And it does really huge things like do security scanning on your site and back up your entire site. But I'm curious. I definitely have like lived through a time in Jetpack's history. In fact, remember they just had a big um, anniversary, 10-year anniversary of existing as software. It's a long time for a piece of software to be this, you know, active and highly developed and, and good, essentially. Uh, but that goodness is me saying that. I've In the parts of that history, I've been part of a contingent of people that have been like, no, nah, I'm not very compelled by Jetpack. I think there's, you know, some mistakes happening or something. That was a long time ago now. Um, but it's tricky in software to live down something like that, you know? And I think Jetpack deals with that to some degree. Of people that have old opinions about Jetpack that have just hung on. Or maybe to them, that opinion isn't old anymore. They still have it because they're well-informed and just don't like Jetpack for one reason or another. 
let me, I've been beating around the bush here. I want you to fill out a survey and tell me why. Like, if you don't use Jetpack, why not? And it's it's for me and for them, because I, I just want to, like, they're my sponsor, so I want to understand what's happening here. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to a survey that's one question, and then a follow-up if you want to answer the follow-up that's optional. But I just, so it's just, like, you pick from this list of things why you don't use Jetpack, and that's it. I'm just curious. Yeah, the state here is, um, it's whatever you need it to be. So what is it for us? Well, so I I alluded to the complexity of like registering tabs because, um, you know, typically when you're doing the tabs in a document, you have kind of like a header, this, uh, we call a tabs list, um, that that's going to contain like the actual like tabs that you click on. And then there's like the content that's that's below that, and we call that a tabs panel. Um, so the the way that we're handling it with the state with all these hooks is whenever like a tab is created in the UI, it calls like a register function that then updates the main tabs state to include its ID. Um, so you know if you have a tabs list of like five tabs, tab one, ID, tab one, tab two, tab three, tab four, uh, tab five, then mm-hmm. all of those get registered in an array. And, uh, and so they can all be kind of aware of each other if they, if they need to be, but they really don't. Um, it's more about uh, the parent component being able to link a tab to the tab content or that tab panel. Right. Cause at some, at some point here, even though a lot of this code is just, just JavaScript crazy, you do need to construct some good looking HTML at some yeah. point here, right? <laughs> With ARIA friggin' labels and, you know, things that turn on and off as they need to. Right. And, and that, and that's part of that registering it, it requires an ID. Um, so mm-hmm. it's, you, you either provide it or it just generates one with kind of our GUID, um, function, um, mm-hmm. so that everything has a specific one. And then when a tab panel is added to the UI, if it doesn't have an ID, it's pulling like the next registered tabs ID to link it to that. So it's kind of dependent on source order a little bit, unless you so this thing IDs. is pretty ready, to, has APIs for adding and removing tabs. Right. So if a tab gets fly. destroyed, it, it removes that and removes uh, the, the panel and like all, all that kind of stuff that gets, that gets really, really messy. But by having all those state linked uh, together, it makes it, makes it much easier. Okay. And then API, I mean, there's a lot to this, but API wise, it's pretty easy. You import the tabs, you, you, you know, you kind of scaffold out you know, what you want the tabs to be. And the the usage ultimately is pretty chill. Uh, Right. Yeah. When you're actually implementing tabs, it's, it's straightforward. You've got your tabs parent, you've got a tabs list that contains the individual tab uh, components um, for each one that you want. And then uh, below that you have your individual tabs panels that contain all the content. And for whatever reason, we don't need like a panel group. No, because it's showing and hiding the the content relative to you know what what tab is active. Right. Um, so only but could one you, of them will be... if you wanted to, just slap a div around them. This is yes, yeah. it would be like fine, right? Right, and that that's part of the the beauty of the compound components is uh, you have flexibility with like how the source uh, or how like you you structure 
the the way these components are grouped together. So right. you could wrap a nav around the tab list or whatever. I think it's already a nav by default, but you could change things up and, and lay things out in a grid fashion or whatever. That is powerful. That's so great. Right. It, Usually instead a lot of like sometimes components are really strict and how they're right. It, typically like you might you might have a tabs component that has like a tabs array. And then in that tab array, you have different objects of like the tab label and the tab content. And then it's all it's all structured and built in the in the tab component and you don't really have any control over it. But with this, you've got a lot of flexibility because you can just drop them in however you want and control them however you want. Um, and it it helps handle the actual like tab switching and uh, area stuff. Well, yeah. So it's a lot here, and yeah, then you'll never have to think about oh, our arrow keys supported or whatever. That's sort of the the beauty of of having a of great component tree is that just use it and you get all that stuff you know quote unquote for free, which is very satisfying. Yeah, I'm still kind of honeymooning a little bit on the the robustness of CP library because it's like. It's almost makes the front end team like unfairly fast. You're like, oh, some UI, <laughs> doop, doop, doop. Okay, what next? You know, like, it's just amazing. Yeah. Well, it's it's a uh, it's a fun it's a fun process, and and trying to think about things in in a more abstract way, so that we're not like locking ourselves in too much to like how things work right now. Um, for instance, like with the tabs. Um, I was already aware of like our standard kind of pattern. Like if you open up the pin settings panel or uh, if you mm -hmm. go to your settings settings page, that's Those are kind like, of a tabbed interface, right? It's true that they're listed vertically on the left rather than on the top though, but hopefully that's just a little CSS away. Right. Ooh, is it? So, uh, well, there's, there's a vertical prop you can pass into tabs. Uh, and and that will automatically switch the layout and change the arrow keys that you use. Oh, that was switching. my first question. Was like, <laughs> do you have to hit the right key to go down? Then is that awkward? <laughs> but no, you do not. No. Uh, and and so now, like those those patterns of you know the the kind of settings UI is is typically where we use that pattern of tabs on the left vertically stacked, and then the content on the right. Um, it's it's easy enough to do within this same context. Uh, and, and we even have like special components for like the, the way that those settings tabs look and how the active state is um, in this, in this tabs uh, library component actually supports that. Like you can pass in what component you want actually rendered for the tab and the tab component itself is just handling like the on click and, um, and the arrow listeners and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And Aria, there is quite a bit of Aria happening here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we followed best practice leads there probably. Yeah. I, I was following some different examples and, and trying to get things, um, pretty, pretty consistent. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a nice touch though. We do that. It looks like you do that mostly that, that kind of like try to use a settable component. Mm -hmm. rather than just pick section or div or nav or whatever just be like i don't know you just you start it with component and then component has a default that's the smart one but you can always pass that in to override it if you want to right a little minor level of control that it's like if you do that across your entire pattern library you're probably not going to regret it 
<laughs> well, it, it's it's so helpful. Like you you might want a tab that's actually our button component, and so that's easy enough to just you know mm. tell tell it tab yeah, with the property it's not just of component a string, right? It's not just like a pass me some HTML element. It could be right. A, it's flexible enough to be just a standard HTML element or a different React component. And, you Oof. know, as long as you're building things in a, in a flexible enough way, like it's it's just going to work. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that gives a lot of extra flexibility. Looking at all this, it's like no surprise that people build their own componentry, even though it's like, oh, my God, how many like, you know, expensive people on earth do we have to hire to rewrite something that's been rewritten a thousand times and you're like well i don't know as many as it takes because this is actually super important to the product that we're building and the fact that we wrote it ourselves means that it accommodates all the needs of this site and it's it it like coexists nicely with everything else we've written it's just like yeah i mean yes it's true that that a lot of people have rebuilt essentially the same thing but it's like it's kind of the job yeah, it's kind of it's, this. This feels better than anything else we we could have used. And well, part part of the reason we we did that is because we we did use somebody else's component initially for the tab stuff, and then we ran yeah. into an issue. We were like, "Hey, this isn't working at how we expect, or it's not it's not mm. flexible in the right way." And you know, it was eight hundred lines or something to like try and debug and like find and you know somebody else's code completely that. Um, you know, it was, it was just such a mess. So, you know, uh, unfortunately, that meant it was simpler to just write our own solution. But in doing that, we can bake in this flexibility. We can, you know, ensure that it's uh, to our our standards and our coding style, and has all the little features that that we need and we use that are central to our app. Absolutely. I had noticed one. This is a, a funny one to me because the the history of it or whatever the reason it existed is because there was like a we're we were building some other projects some behind the scenes thing and there was a lot of like just module looking things like not cards necessarily but just like areas of the page of like a dashboard and it was essentially a gray box because we you know everything at code is like dark you know it's like dark background and then like a slightly less dark box and you put stuff in the box and i think maybe even me made a box component just so that rather than replicate you know padding one rem border radius eight pixels whatever like a million times you pull the component and whatever so at least it's abstracted a little bit even though geez what a boring component you know (laughs) but it turns out we had one of those in another project we were starting and in you know, there was examples of it even in our existing live app and stuff. And it was basically like a generic box. But then it turned out, okay, fine. Like, let's get rid of all these disparate gray box components and bring them all together because it's just what that's what a design systems team does. But there was a new pattern emerging that was like uh, that these boxes can have a header and sometimes this is, I don't, yeah, this has made it to production, right? Because we talked about the new embed modal last mm-hmm. week. It has one of these little info box things in it where the header then has a little I button thingy you can click and then it expands a little more help text within it. And it turned out that conceptually it kind of made sense to make that a, an optional aspect of a gray box, <laughs> essentially. So now you have this thing called info box 
And if you just pull it and use it, you get a gray box. But if you want, there's some flexible stuff you can do. And even that little eye component I talked about, like Stephen mentioned, with these compound components, you can be really flexible. You can chuck both that and what it expands wherever you want in the gray box, which is this like lovely, flexible kind of concept, right? Yeah. Yeah. That that was the, the whole reason for this, that we went with compound components so that uh, it can share the state, which in this case is just, is it open and the toggle function? Um, and uh, you could still have that flexibility where the info icon could be, you know, in the header, it could be after some content, it could be linked to an input or, or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. or, or it doesn't even have to be that info icon because we're using that comp that component uh, property. So it could render yeah. completely as something else um, and just function as a as a simple toggle. So like a, a button or whatever can can be used um, in certain cases. So yeah, it's all. It's what all if though, somebody's like, "Oh, I want to use that pattern, but I don't want a gray box." <laughs> uh, pass a and class name, it. and you can style it however you want. Oh, then yeah, you still have the wrapper, but you can remove the grayness and the boxness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Good thing that parent component has very little. It just is nothing, you know. Uh, which is great. So yeah, compound components, good idea, Kent. Yeah. I, I don't know if he originated it. He's he's definitely been a big proponent of it. He's he's got um some like egghead and front end master courses that, that use uh this pattern. Yeah. Some of this is weird that like it can also be state he uses a toggle example and then toggle dot on and toggle dot off, meaning that I don't think we've done anything quite that simple, I guess, but it's like those are states and you just, I guess, would trust the component that it's going to only render one or the other of them, depending on. Right. That That's kind the of the, the beauty of it. Like with our, with our library toggle component right now, we have like label left and label right, um, which is mm. really should be renamed. Um, that, that I mean, those are props that you send in and then right. you don't have a chance to place them where you want them to be. Right. Uh, but yeah. but even then, like, uh, you know, which one is checked, which one isn't, and um, yeah. like passing in extra like uh, HTML or JavaScript or, or uh, components or whatever, like it gets it gets messy doing that as props. But if you have this like toggle dot on sub component in this compound structure, um, yeah. then it's it feels a lot more uh, flexible. I bet you could use it twice too, right? Like, why not? More than, more than likely, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty neat. And then there's other example was like a select menu where if you're trying to pass in a list of options, you know, there's bad, good and bad ways to do that. A bad way being like, you know, whatever, like a comma separated values or something in a big old string. Like, ooh, that sucks. And I would think equally sucky would be like, JSX prop of a bunch of options too, because then that's like weirdly opinionated and yeah, it even just came up today a little bit when I was looking at, we were making a little whatever, you know, as we do, just a little project thing. And I had hand-coded some themes into a drop-down menu at first, which allowed me to put opt groups around some of the options. And then we refactored it to like pull data more abstractly from like a data source. And you don't, 
it's not as flexible then, you know, it's just a list. You iterate through it and make options. It doesn't give you a nice place to put an opt group, you know, (laughs) I don't know. I, I guess you could restructure the data to be two different objects within a parent object or something. And, but it just seemed like more trouble than it was worth. But yeah, sometimes it's flexible to just be able to be like, I'm just going to structure this however I want to. Yeah. Right. That that's the that's the beauty of compound components. Yeah, cool. Well, let us know if you enjoy a little component deep dive there. <laughs> we'll uh be happy to do some more. I'm sure there's some other well, I'd like to do buttons at one point because it, it's like almost like a joke one where people are like you almost use it as an example of a simple component and then it ends up being anything but and might just be, you know, top top ten, top five maybe of our most complex components probably top three of ones that cause problems that's for sure yeah yeah all right thanks everybody bye